Welcome back, finally, to another episode of We're Actually Doing This Again. We're actually doing this again. It's again. We didn't we didn't change the title, but we're just saying we're actually doing this again. Dana and I have had life happening for the last few weeks. We actually had talked before about going on a system of what was it like six weeks on, three weeks off, or something like that. Something. Yeah, forty-five, fifteen. Yeah, like and we nine didn't... weeks on, three weeks off. Yeah, and we didn't. We didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> the break was so nice. Yeah, not. I mean, I know I enjoy the podcast. Don't get me wrong, but it is nice to be like, all right, it's Thursday night. I can participate in the bedtime routine and not have to just run away. Right. Yeah. No. And it. And we've. I at my household have had busy. I mean, we've been busy hockey season starting up for one of mine. I mean, I do have a 18 month old. That's needy. The fact that you're even on this podcast started right? this podcast <laughs> yeah. is, uh, baffles me actually. Yeah. You're a and busy then, guy. The president right. of the youth hockey association. Not president. No. no, not the president, but I am on the youth hockey board. I'm actually okay. coaching again this year. So that's something we could chat about. I, um, last year I did not coach. So my kid is, he, he was only six years old last year, but he was in termites and I get done with a day of teaching a classroom full of kids that I can handle. And then I go to a termite practice and I try to coach 60 different kids. And I just like, I was burnt out. I was yeah. pretending like I was enjoying it. Well, now I'm back and with a focus though, right? So like I, my kid is now, he's older. He's well, he's only seven years old now, but he's with the kids. They're about all seven-ish, eight years old. And I want to teach them how to skate well. Like that's my goal this year is that I told the, the lead coach, I said, hey, I'm going to run a station every day we're working on skating skills. So I've been working on stopping skills with them. Like, so I just went, now I went into this with, I think, I think I had maybe a, not the best mindset when I, when I finally, I was like, I got to step away from this for a while. And I went back in and now I actually have a goal. Like my goal for these kids is to make sure right now we're working on, like, I just know that every kid in the last couple of weeks that we've been working on stopping, I know that they understand what, their good foot is what foot that they really enjoy stopping with that they're good at stopping with and now they understand what foot they're not good at stopping with Ooh, so yeah and like so that's the first step so they come to my station i'm like all right where's your good foot and they're you know they shake it in the air and then where's your bad foot and they shake it in the air it's like just having them understand that they're good with one Where, where's your good foot and where's your better foot yeah, exactly. Better yeah, that's yeah. how it needs to be. I mean, I'll change that when maybe their both feet are okay-ish. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty funny watching those seven-year-olds. They'll, oh. They can skate pretty well. They'll go into it nice and hot and come in and try to stop. And I mean, for people that understand skating, if you're not low to the ground a little bit with your knees bent and sliding on one edge, they'll just stand up. I, I talk about... um 
the Disney character on Toy Story, Forky, who walks around and he's like waddling around the whole time. And I'll just <laughs> waddle around the ice and tell him like, you need to be bending your knees. You can't stand upright like Forky. Because if you don't, then yeah, they catch an edge and they'll go flying. But they don't <laughs> complain. <laughs> so it is so, definitely a challenge to to develop both sides. Like I can't remember stopping as much as learning crossovers. Right. Like to do crossovers to the left. Like, no, I'm not doing that. No. And now yeah. I don't even think about it. No, exactly. And that's just like now that I've been like focusing on it with those kids, I've been noticing it myself, too. And I definitely do have a preferred side of stopping. I can stop both ways, but I do. I prefer one way over the other. So, but anyway, so enough hockey talk. I get enough of that in a week. <laughs> I do have the wild game on in the background though. I have, oh. I'm not, I, are you like, did you start it late? Because I have some information uh, about the outcome. Outcome. Yeah. Is it over? I have it on live now. I am running an Amazon fire stick and I'm not oh. too fond of them. So oh. that could be the problem. Are you sure? Who'd they play in the, the, the score that you have, who'd they play? Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. All right. Maybe Oops. it's maybe it's one that said close game, but oh yeah, is... it could be. It's three to two right now. Pittsburgh's up. How much time is left? Nineteen minutes. Huh. So maybe it was at the start of the period. But anyway, yeah. another topic. I. I submitted my final assignment for my leadership courses. So I'm not yet approved, but will soon be hopefully as long as my grades on my last two assignments are fine. <laughs> go. I actually, it's hinging on the last two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually attended. So I had one of the classes was kind of partially quiz based and partially like actual um, essay based. So it was both and discussions, but so some of my essay or some of my quizzes, of course I got some wrong, right. And couldn't retake them. So I, I ended oh, up yeah. 10 points back, but then you could attend. There's two options for zoom meets or throughout the quarter and each one you get 10 extra credit points. So I did one of them, the first one, got 10 extra credit points. That's how many points over the four quizzes that I was behind. So I had already had it back. Like I was already where I needed to be. There was another one last night. I'm like, I'm just going to go to it. Just, I have one assignment left. I hopefully will do really well on it, but I'm not going to chance it. I'm going to give myself <laughs> 10 extra points just in case something happens. And yeah. maybe I was like, you know how it gets towards the end of it. You're kind of zoning out a little bit, but. Well, that's exciting. You, yeah, that's 18, it. It 18 months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just about like the quarters are pretty, or the semesters are actually pretty short. They're condensed really close together, but. Uh, Minnesota State University Moorhead online program was amazing. There's some really, really great professors that I worked with. Um, I can't say enough about them. It was an awesome experience. There's a couple of people there that that have some great insights and people that are actually still working in school districts. That's you know, good. As, yeah. and, and so the one 
main guy that I dealt with was as a superintendent in a smaller community, but man, did he have some great insight, you know? So it was cool. And it also is, you know, what is one of the, the coolest things about my experience is the amount of people that are, that have similar mindsets to you and I, you know, that are going into to a leadership role or pursuing a leadership role that they're focused on the kids. They're focused on the relationships with not just the kids, but the staff members. They're focused on self-care for their people and making sure that everybody's needs are met, right? That's something that we'll talk about in the interview with Aaliyah today too, is like, you need to meet the needs of the, of your people before you can can move on with them. You have to require some sort of care, right? From all of your people and, and expect it back in returns. Like you and I, we, we took a six week little hiatus here because we needed maybe a little self-care too. Yeah. But you know what? Um, we'll see what the future holds. I hope that I hope that our school district is ready for me because I, I want <laughs> I want to think... come in and and do things with that mindset, right? All right, yeah, because it's I don't know if your program is experience the same experience as my, some of my grad school work is like we all start talking the same way, we all start developing a similar mindset, but then like actually putting it into practice. Right. is a challenge and I, i've seen that in in the way that you you interact with the, the students that you have in your class and the types of assignments that you make that you're really th- focused on student needs and engagement right so that's that's encouraging to see that because it doesn't always happen i mean just some people go through a program write their papers and they're the same person they're yeah not a lot of change so yeah no, that's, that's the goal. So um, we're back. We appreciate you guys tuning in today. We have a, a guest on that uh, I think people are going to enjoy. We are recording this podcast during Hunger and Homeless Awareness Week. Um, we have a guest that is our homeschool liaison, McKenny Vento, coordinator or something like that along those lines but she is somebody that that like we said meets the needs of the students in our community that are having a difficult time um she's always fun to talk to she is the first person that is a recurring main guest people are going to be lining up now to be yeah, on exactly. again <laughs> yeah and we're asking you if you've already been on you know what we want well, you back on because we've had some really great interviews with people yeah 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 so if you've been I, I, I'm just going to say the exact same thing that Casey just said. If you've been on before, we'd love to have you on again. Yeah. It was thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's great. I think our guests are going to enjoy it. And thanks again for hopping on for another ride of we're actually doing this. I'm like, I'm only as funny as I can be when, when, uh, Casey's around. This is We're Actually Doing This, where we're finding people from all communities who are actually doing innovative things to help connect, educate, and inspire.
Well, welcome back to another another episode of We're Actually Doing This. We're actually doing this again. We're actually doing this again. Casey, yeah. it's good to have you here. We are here with Aaliyah Stoll, uh, a frequent visitor of the podcast. Thanks for coming, Aaliyah. Thanks for having me. Am I the first one that's been here twice now? Am I the first frequent flyer? I don't know if we can count. So we actually Ooh. asked, we had an episode where we featured Travis Whittington as himself, but then we had another STEM-related guest. So we had Travis come in to try to ask a few questions. So you are the only person that has been on here as a featured guest twice. I'm honored. Yeah, so this is like a NFL where they're making they make <laughs> up stats to make things more interesting. But I think that is more interesting. So that's his little jab at Travis. Um, I think his his Twitter handle is at Wit Teach or at Watch Wit Teach, isn't what? it something like that? Yep. Wanna, yeah. Yep. So watch Wit because he loves he loves replying to a bunch of Twitter. whatever yeah exactly so so leah we brought you on this week because um this week today is november 17th you have been um you're almost to the end of the week but this week is hunger and homelessness awareness week so and you are our local liaison for homelessness or kids in transition in the school district so um what has been going on in the, our community right now? What have you been doing for to to just shine some light on on this topic? Mm-hmm. So I'm part of a hunger and homeless awareness committee. Um, so it's the school district. So I'm the representative for that. And then I partner with somebody from Village of Hope, Sandy Henham, and then um, Evergreen, uh, Julia and Ebony, and Kirk from. Uh, by CAP. And then we often also have other people involved, like St. Vincent de Paul, Churches United, sometimes the food shelf. So it really depends on the year and who's available, who has the capacity to take on um, projects for Hunger and Homeless Awareness Week. So every year we try to get together and do some awareness events or um, do a fundraiser. And so this year we were able to do an in-person fundraiser, which we haven't been able to do since think like 2018 was the last time and so um done like chicken dinner events so that went on for I think a really long time I don't know how long they did it but they've done it for a long time and then when I came on that's when like COVID hit so I've, I've only done one event so this is my second one that we were able to finally do and that was on Tuesday um it was a spaghetti dinner at the United Methodist Church and so we just invited people to come and then all the proceeds made from the dinner were split amongst um, us, our four organizations. Um, so organizations that serve people experiencing homelessness. And then we had information about our programs at the dinner too, so that people can come in and learn about the programs, learn about what we do. Um, I had some information about like youth homelessness on like a poster board there. And then we had placemats that some local elementary students had um, drawn on. And that was really special. That's always really fun. People really like seeing that too. So it was fun to get people back together and um, we're hoping to do that again next year. So, and then we also have a homeless and hunger awareness Facebook page where we share like sometimes information about our programs and things and events that go on. That's good. Do you, do you, do you get any analytics on that or do you kind of know about how many people see those 
the information that you're sending out? Um, I don't know how many people like are on our Facebook page. We don't have a ton. I think like maybe 150 have liked our Facebook page. So we don't have like a huge following by any means. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think that's where we're at on our Facebook page. But like I boosted our event and it had like 1000 people were reached. <laughs> so they saw like an advertisement for the fundraiser and stuff, but Good. yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, and you're just, you're reaching out to the people within our community, right? So yeah. Um, do you think that are a lot of people surprised by the numbers, by the amount of people that are, that you service around the area? I mean, do you think those numbers are surprising to people? Yeah. Um, I hear a lot of people when I like tell them what my job title is in general, they'll like be surprised that we even have a position at our school district for the homeless liaison. Um, and so that's kind of like just surprising to people in general that they don't think that there's kids out there that are experiencing homelessness in our community, because when you think of homelessness, um, like you think of it as like visible, like you see yeah. people that are literally unsheltered, but that's not really what we see in Northern Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So yeah, people are definitely surprised when they learn that we have a person at the district that's their sole position is to work with people that are unhoused. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and like what you said, like there aren't in the middle of winter in Bemidji, Minnesota, there's not, there's not going to be people really outside in the elements there you get there's that we are getting to the point of having enough places for people right especially the children hopefully if they're identified well we have um a family shelter in our area thankfully and then we have a woman's shelter um they're always filled though and they always have a large wait list so i wouldn't say that we have like we definitely have a need for more emergency shelters um of de definite need because Sometimes I'll have families that um, have to go stay outside of the area. Um, so they'll maybe stay in the shelter in Bina and then have to tra travel back and forth to school every day, which is quite the trip. Yeah, tra so, I mean, Bina, just for people that are not familiar with our area, is probably 40 minutes away from Bemidji or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so that's a family shelter that I, I usually have a few families a year that end up going out there um, because there's just not openings in our area. So I mostly like, I would say, I don't have this stat off the top of my head, but I would say at least like 70% of my students are considered doubled up. So they're like multiple families living in one household or they're living with a family friend. So they're not staying in a shelter, they're not unsheltered, but they're um, like overcrowded in a home. Right. And we'd kind of touched on this. I know last time we talked with you too, is that like the definition Mm -hmm. is, is large we want to make sure that our definition is broad so that we're meeting as many as we can the, the students that are in transition they might be at grandma's house now because they they lost their home wherever their home was and now they're they're moving there before hopefully at some point getting their own house to have their family in but yeah so you would you think most most of the families that you're dealing with are just doubled up they have multiple families under one roof yeah, that's, yeah, it's usually around 70% that I, cause I have to, um, like when I track, when I flag a youth, um, that qualifies for McKinney Vento, I have to flag why they qualified. So the indicators are unsheltered, doubled up, um, in a shelter in transitional housing or in a hotel. And so we'll have a few hotel motels. We'll have some transitional housing units, um, and some shelters, some unsheltered, um, but most are doubled up. And that's, 
that's great data to collect too, right? Like knowing yeah. that that's where you might see it more often when you go in and you talk to the schools and the teachers and the administration in the district, then they have an awareness of like, hey, if I hear that in a conversation that these my student in my classroom is now living with aunt and uncle and their whole family is there or whatever, then it sparks it. Now I understand, I know that they could get services through you, right? Yeah, exactly. And and a barrier with doubled up, and this isn't, um, it's actually in our area, it it does, it's okay. Cause so a lot of homeless programs go through a coordinated entry system. And then, um, so throughout the state of Minnesota, there's different areas. So the Northwest region, Southwest region, like Metro region, um, they all cover different like homeless programs. And I think in our region, we identify doubled up as homeless. Sorry, my dog's drinking water. <laughs> we identify doubled up as homeless, but in um, many places and many housing programs don't qualify doubled up as homeless. So a family can be doubled up, but they would not receive services and wouldn't receive like housing supportive services or receive vouchers, okay. um, which is a huge barrier that a lot of families face because sometimes they are in even a worse position than families that are living in shelters because they might be like, really couch hopping like highly mobile yeah mm -hmm. so you you think you your numbers are rising yeah something that's a trend that you're noticing what mm -hmm. so <clears throat> you have to every single year you have to get these students re-entered right so you get them re-entered and usually that's probably a pretty smooth process if you've had them before Maybe hopefully the best thing is, is that like, it's like special ed, you want to exit these kids, right? They come in to get services from you. And the, the ultimate goal is to make sure that they are exiting out of your services. That would be the ideal world. How many more are you getting? Do you think like your numbers now are increasing? You had the kids that you had the year before you're identifying new kids. Do you know about how many that is or? Like I said, I don't have the data of how many kids I, I had that were, that have been qualified last year and ones that are new. That's like something I never really thought about as like how many youth that have been multiple year identified. Um, but yeah, every, so we started zero every July. So you requalify, start at every July. Um, and so I'll recontact all the families that I'm not sure if they are in permanent housing yet. Um, and then if they aren't, I'll put them back on the list. If they are, then, then. I don't have work with them anymore, which is sometimes bittersweet where <laughs> sometimes like it's sad. I don't get to work with the youth anymore, but I'm also happy. I don't have to work with them anymore. Cause that means they have permanent housing. Um, but then I'll identify them. And so I don't really have data on, on how many, but usually it's like, I'll come into the school year around maybe like 30 ish youth that are for sure re-identified that carried over from the year before. Um, and then I'll start identifying new families that are coming into the district or families, existing families that we've had in the district that are becoming homeless. Um, and so I, last year I ended at around 240 total youth, 200 school-aged youth. And right now I'm at 100 school-aged youth and 110 total youth. So I'm already at halfway, at the halfway mark wow. of total youth I identified last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of students. And Dana, what are the numbers about in our district as a whole for students, student population? 5,000. 5,000. Yeah. So 
mean, it's a percentage, right? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we've talked about it on this podcast a lot too, is like we've brought up and Dana's notorious for it is bringing up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And like, this is, this is the, this is the bottom, like this is the foundation of, of the students that we're going to be servicing is, are these needs being met? Are they getting, you know, this week is not just homelessness awareness, but it's hunger awareness because those two things oftentimes are going to go hand in hand. Are they, are they filling their bellies, right? Like if they're not filling their bellies, that's, that's, that's difficult that you can't, assume that they are going to be able to do the next thing past that if they don't have that fulfilled or if they don't have their shelter if they don't feel secure where they are so um what are some things now we we've had this conversation because you are a reoccurring guest but for those of you that have not heard Aliyah talk about this what are some services you provide to the kids that are, you're giving them you're meeting their hierarchy of needs you're trying to make sure that these kids are prepared as best they can mm -hmm to receive some sort of education, right? Mm -hmm. Well, anytime a student qualifies for McKinney Vento, they automatically qualify for free lunch for the whole year. And then they also get like any, basically I tell families like any educationally related activity, like school related activity, if they wanna be in basketball and after school program activity, um, like my program can help pay for that and reduce fees. Um, and then I, I have a resource room at Lincoln that has clothing, school supplies, winter gear. So many times when I get a new family enrolled that is identified as experiencing homelessness, I'll meet with them first in my resource room so they can kind of go shop, like the kid can go shopping, get new outfits, um, get their school supplies, get what they'd like. Um, so that's, I, like, kind of the, biggest I like the way you say that Sh go shopping, right? Mm -hmm. right? go pick up some clothes from the clothes bin yeah. Yeah. shopping this is an opportunity to get pick out some cool things yeah exactly i just had a parent in the other day that said i feel like i'm going shopping and it made me feel really good and happy for her so um so that's that's huge um and then just ensuring school stability so making sure they get to stay in their school and then when i meet with families I'll talk to them about local housing resources, like make referrals to BICAP or the local shelters or HUD housing, things like that. So um, just making sure families have some direction of where to go to so that they can look for housing resources. Um, Cause I don't like, I don't, I'm not a housing program in myself, like myself, I'm a, I work really much like in the educational piece, but I can connect them to housing programs in the area. So that's really where I see my main role, but then providing continual support for youth that like, they're struggling with attendance or just um, having a hard time getting to school or need extra support in school, like I can continue to connect with them and provide that support. Right. I'm just going to backtrack a little bit too, because this is like a plea, but <clears throat> you, you're, you're able to, if you identify these students, they're going to be able to have free lunch, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, over the last couple of years after, during the COVID pandemic and afterwards, and we were able to provide free lunch for all kids, free breakfast for all kids, right? I just feel like this, when I said this is a plea, it's like, we spend money on so many things across the state of Minnesota or in any other state in the whole United States, we spend money on so many things. Mm -hmm why is this not something that we just do? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not for everybody. That's not just for the, or sorry, it's not just for the students that you're servicing. 
it's for the kids that you have not found, you know, it's for any of them. We're filling the bellies of these kids and, and just making sure a hundred percent certain that they are all eating. Well, and there's a lot of students that are living in poverty or, or living in food insecurity that have homes, or maybe their families like don't fill up the forms, or they're just on the cusp of not qualifying and still they need that support. So I, I fully agree with you. And it's something that um, would be money well spent. Colorado actually just passed, passed where they are now fully funding um, free lunches for all their students. And I feel like that's something more states should follow. Right. And, that, and the kids are going to eat. I'm not saying that they're not going to eat. They're going to eat and their parents are more than likely going to send money with them. But I don't know that that's something we should worry about. That's not mm -hmm. something where, where the lunch lady should come after you because your child's account is 14 cents in the hole, right? It should be just, it is what it is. Your kids are at school. We take care of them today. Mm -hmm. We're feeding them. We're caring for them. Like I said, it's not, the money is there. It's just somewhere else right now. It's somewhere else. We just need to reallocate it into something and prioritize these kids getting a free lunch. I think that that's, yeah. So cool that Colorado has made that choice because that's that's a bigger choice than us three can make. Mm -hmm. It needs to happen somewhere else. But yeah. it's good to talk about and good to advocate for. And like, I mean, unless you're working in a school or working with youth that experience um, food insecurity, like people don't think of, about this as an issue. They don't know that sometimes there's high school students that may go without because they don't want to add a more of a negative balance to their parents. Like they don't think you don't know about that. You only know what you know. And so I think it's still important for us to talk about and, and advocate for. Got to have the conversations. Mm -hmm. And some people are listening. I know there's a lot of people that feel the same way as, as we do about that. So, but Aliyah, you have been on here twice. We've, you have been either fortunate or unfortunate enough to spend some time with Dana and I. <laughs> I think it's it's great to have you on, and I think there are some people that uh, are going to enjoy the things that you share, and and also for sure appreciate the job that you do for for the youth, and and for sure in our area. And I know that there's people that do the same thing as you across the nation. So I think. Um, we're happy that we have you as ours, right? Taking care of our children within our area. So thanks for everything you do. And thanks for putting up with us. Well, no, well, thank you for letting me talk about it. I always like talking about my job. And so I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, And I think that's one thing too, is like, we, we need to make sure that you're, you're saying that earlier that there's a lot of people that don't understand the, the amount of students that you're servicing or the amount of people within our area that have this also what qualifies what what are we talking about when we when we mention the word homelessness or in transition and mm -hmm. and what services are we offering you know mm -hmm. and like you said the ultimate goal is to make sure that although it might be bittersweet is that we want these people in and we want them out because we want them in a secure house yeah. that they're comfortable with it would be nice if my job didn't exist. That's the goal. It's for me to not have a job. That's the ultimate goal for a lot yeah. of people in your world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks, Leah. Yeah, you're 40. Why are you hanging out with a 30-year-old? <laughs>